This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Living Ideas, Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, and our topic today is renewable energy and electric vehicles. And to join me on that discussion is Steve Heckeroth, who is the owner of Renewables and also is an expert in renewable energy, a speaker at the American Solar Energy Society conferences like SolFest, and also the chair of the Transportation Division of the International Solar Energy Society. Steve, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about your background. I understand that you are uh, an expert in several different areas that relate to living green, um, you know, both in the renewable energies area as well as uh, alternative transportation. Well, I have a degree in architecture, and I practiced uh, passive solar design. Uh, I built quite a few passive solar houses and uh, water towers and put up wind generators and wind pumps for in the 70s. And then uh, in the 80s, I started getting into uh, interest in photovoltaics and electric vehicles. So in the early 90s, I started a company to build electric vehicles when uh, the California Zero Emission Mandate came into being. And I thought that we were all going to be driving electric vehicles by now at that point. Oh, if only that were the case. Yeah. Um, That's another story. I really recommend anybody listening uh, who hasn't seen Who Killed the Electric Car to really uh, make an effort to see that because it explains a lot about why we are not all driving electric vehicles. A great great film, and I I, want to interject. I don't mean to interrupt you. I want to certainly hear about the the rest of your background, but it's it's interesting that there's a great irony happening right now in that one of the first electric cars ostensibly that might be actually making it mainstream because a lot of these smaller manufacturers Manufacturers are having some delivery issues. Is the Chevy Volt, or at least they're getting the, you know, they're they're making sure that they're getting the lion's share of the, the headlines. And well, what do you, what's your take on that? Well, I, I'm I'm anxious to see it in real life, and you know, production quantities coming up um, instead of you know just putting out a few prototypes and and using it to greenwash the rest of their company. Right. Uh, if they were really interested, they would have brought back the EV1, which you'll see in uh, Who Killed the Electric Car. That was by far the greatest uh, vehicle ever made by the American auto industry. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting, I guess. And, you know, I, I've had the same opinion, and, and I've tried, I'm trying to stay open to it, and you know, certainly uh, allow, uh, just like you allow people to evolve and change. You know, I'd like to like to always think the best of uh, corporations are trying to do the same thing. So we'll certainly uh, certainly see what happens and develops there. But uh, and again. And not to, to derail you, tell you, please continue on uh, your story. <laughs> That's an interesting point, though. Uh, I was uh, I worked for a guy named Stan Oshinsky, who's actually one of the uh, stars, the only real positive star in Who Killed the Electric Car. He invented the nickel metal hydride battery. Oh, okay. And he also invented uh, thin film amorphous solar cells. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, the thin film is uh, used as photovoltaic roofing, so it's actually eventually the roof will generate electricity. So when you re-roof your house, you'll get a, uh, a electric generator at the same time. And I was uh, the director of building integrated photovoltaics for Stan Oshinsky's company at the time, uh, ECD Ovonics, that's energy conversion devices. Uh, call it Ovonics is uh, a cross between Oshinsky and electronics, and it's actually a word in the dictionary. So. Really? <laughs> he's uh, 84 years old. He's an incredible guy. He's got like 800 patents. Wow, so you, you go way back in this industry uh, with uh, the contacts and, and the experience. Well, um, you mentioned a term that has, I think, gotten thrown around a lot and hasn't gotten a lot of explanation. We certainly haven't done that yet on this show. Can you, can you tell us about what passive solar means? Well, they used to talk about passive as anything that didn't have moving parts. Mm-hmm. And that meant, uh, like, glass is a passive solar device mm-hmm. because uh, shortwave radiation from the sun can go through glass, but long-wave radiation heat cannot go back out through glass. So it it's causes glass causes what the greenhouse effect, the same way CO2 does in the atmosphere. Right. It lets the heat in but doesn't let it back out. And... Um, that's probably the primary passive solar device. So considering that, orientation is another. Um, that's like 90% of passive solar design is orienting your house in the right direction, putting the windows on the right side, and, and making sure there's overhangs to block the summer sun and let the winter sun fully come into the house. Ah, okay. Interesting. So so it really has a lot to do with building design. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... Um, the other things, there's a list of 12 things. I didn't pull that up because I thought we were talking about electric vehicles. Oh, we can certainly do, no, do that as well. I, I, you know, I know you're an expert in all these things, so if you don't mind, we might want to jump around a little bit. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm trying to uh, madly think of all the, the 12 things. that There's uh, thermal mass uh, where you, uh, you have uh, your... Through glass, uh, the heat comes in, heats like a concrete floor uh, with a dark surface color, uh-huh. and then that heat can't get back out, and the mass or a wall, a concrete wall or a, or a, a cob wall or some some massive thing, water is actually a very good one, but it's hard to store water inside a house. So I usually like to use the floor itself. And uh, that acts as a flywheel to maintain a constant temperature in the house. It absorbs heat all day and then re-radiates it at night when the temperature drops. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, since, since we will have limited time, I would love to have you back and have a more extended discussion about passive solar design. So I don't want to uh, actually just, you know, all green building and anything else you can talk about there. So why don't we we'll focus on electric cars, because I'm a total car enthusiast, and I'm actually actively in the market for an electric vehicle myself, so I'm in the, the audience. Yeah, I'd love to do a show specifically on passive solar yeah, let's, design, let's, so let's, we can set that up. Definitely do that. So so moving on to the, the electric cars topic, um, Right now, where we stand, uh, you know, with the, with we talked a little bit about that in the beginning, just you know, going off onto the you know, the, the who killed the electric car and the Chevy Volt, and you know, we've got all these these technologies. You know, companies like Zap are trying to get production on their their latest models and. 
you know, this seems like the, the biggest shipping manufacturers out there, the, you know, the Zen cars and the Zaps and, and other uh, manufacturers seem to be mainly manufacturing glorified golf carts. And I'm not putting them down. I'm, I'm happy that the neighborhood electric vehicle market is doing well and got a lot of production. What, what seems to be lacking is the more mainstream vehicle with electric. So for people who are looking for transportation solutions today that represent, you know, the, more, the most sort of environmentally friendly transportation, which, what are the options available to them right now? Well, there are a few left over from the auto industry, and we, we drive a RAV4 EV. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started my electric vehicle company, that was exactly my concern, that everybody had the image of electric vehicles as golf carts. And so I researched the world for uh, the lightest weight car that could carry the most weight because at, th- at that time, back in the early 90s, really the only batteries available were lead acid, which meant that you were dealing with really heavy heavy um, loads to carry around in a car. And so I, I uh, found kit cars, and I used the electric Porsche Spider. Um, I used a Porsche Spider kit. It's a replica kit and uh, Speedster kits. And and VWs happen to be a very good platform because there's a lot of aftermarket stuff from dune bogies and stuff. So you could put on a suspension system that could carry the weight of the batteries. So the Beetle, the original bug, like is that what you're talking about, that, that model or any model? Yeah, well, a lot of the, you know, the VW bug was so pervasive in our in our country that that there's just literally thousands, hundreds of thousands probably of, of those chassis still available in junkyards. And so the kit car companies have based their kits on the VW chassis or made two tube chassis that use VW components and then they take, get the VIN numbers off the chassis and so there's no problem with registration. So, so what chassis, I mean, are you, so this is kind of cool, I'm into this, this is like DIY electric car and, <laughs> and, and the world is your oyster because my dream is to be able to pick whatever car, a shell I want and make it into an electric car and I, I don't know how realistic or how costly that is but what, you know, do you work with a lot of um, customers or, or, or clients that are doing this um, you know, is it how, how feasible is that? Um, you know, how, how, do, how do you get started? Well, you pick. Um, hopefully, you'll pick a car that's as light a weight as possible, and that's pretty hard to do in with U.S. manufacturers because if you look at the weight of most vehicles now, they're over three thousand pounds. And with lead acid batteries, the secret to a hundred mile range is half battery weight. So if you start out with a three thousand pound car, you'd have to put three thousand pounds of lead acid batteries <laughs> in it to give it a hundred mile range. And most cars can't carry that weight. Right. So their pickups are actually a kind of good conversion because they can carry weight. Okay. The Ford Ranger and the S10 pickups were very good conversions, and the, actually the auto companies made those those two vehicles into really nice electric cars. And when uh, when they had lead acid batteries, they'd only get a 30 to 50 mile range. But then a little later on, they had the nickel metal hydride batteries that got 60 to 80 or 90 mile range. So that was wasn't a bad car. But if you're only interested in commuting, I would really recommend uh, something a kit car based on a, a VW chassis or a, or a tube chassis that uses. Uh, 
VW components and upgrade the suspension to carry what is now less weight because we have uh, new newer batteries now. So now I understand you mentioned the, the you've done the electric Porsche Spider and uh, the I guess a Carmen Ghia, um, and I saw that on your website and, and I'm just curious. So what would be the next step if somebody has identified a kit car chassis or something that's doable? Um, what, what's the next step? Well, there's there's a few kit cars. I, I guess can I put names with those? Uh, yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, uh, Thunder Ranch is a, a kit car company in Southern California that has done a few conversions, and I'm working with them now to bring out a chassis that has battery boxes integrated into it. And those battery boxes would be for the new lithium-ion iron phosphate batteries, which are about one-quarter the weight for the same energy density. So now we're talking about having a 500-pound battery pack that will do the same thing as a 2,000-pound lead-acid pack. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm looking on the website as you as you were saying that I found thunderranch.com and uh, I was not aware of this this resource. So there's a there's a bunch of interesting looking vehicles on here. Yeah, they make uh, a Spider and a Speedster. You know, the three uh, I guess it was a 356 type body uh, Porsche body. All right. Yeah, and several other models that can be um, converted to electric too. But it, it's good to, if everybody can kind of focus on one thing that they really like, and and then uh, we can we can perfect that as a chassis. Because every time you do a different car, it's a whole new design and engineering project yeah. to fit the batteries in. What's the price range on something like that? I mean, I'm not going to hold you to it, but what's the general, what's the general range for a kit car with that sort of, that sort of conversion? Well, back in the 90s, um, things were a little cheaper. I, I was actually selling the finished cars for about 35000 mm, Okay. Well, I think it's, it's a little less than double that now. Yeah, okay, so, the, so it, wow, it's gone up that much, huh? What are you attributing that to? Well, it's the cost of the batteries. Okay. The, the batteries I was using back then, the battery packs would cost about uh, $1,200 uh-huh. for a 20-kilowatt-hour battery pack, but that battery pack would weigh 1,400 pounds. Now, since this the battery topic is obviously the most crucial point with regards to everything, and you, you bring up the issue of, of weight and cost, and then also in terms of things like, you know, obviously capacity and distance, so these things are all really what, what electric cars are all about. Um, I'm curious, do you, do you have any um, opinions or, or commentary to make on the, the new the EE store that's coming out with supposedly this highly disruptive, disruptive in a good way technology? Yeah, well, I love disruptive technologies, but I like to see them in real life before I, before I comment on them. <laughs> right, vaporware is, is prevalent in this industry, unfortunately. It is very, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, venture capital out there, and there's a lot of ways to get at that venture capital, and I think that's one of the ways to do it is to make a lot of promises. The, this is yeah. why the market buys the hype and sells the news. Yeah. yeah, but there are some real technologies out there. For instance, uh, the A123 technology, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's I, a, I have not. It's the little cylindrical um, lithium-ion iron phosphate batteries. And, you know, a lot of the lithium is has a problem because it, it will burn and it will explode and it will have thermal runaway um, with the cobalt and some of the other metals that, that can catch fire. Um, the uh, iron phosphate 
can't catch fire and can't explode. So it's much better thing to use in a car. Mm-hmm. And um, the large format is uh, also, I think, the way to go. The, this, like the Tesla has 6,831 batteries in it. Right. And uh, that's a lot of electronics and management to uh, keep track of all that. Potential points of failure, I, I would assume, as well. Yeah, they've got some duplication. They've got things in parallel so that you can lose a string and you've still got, your your car still runs. But then there's some newer batteries that are a little larger format that are what they call prismatic, so they have a rectangular shape instead of being cylindrical, so you don't have that problem of trying to, you know, stack up little cylinders. Um, And those you could probably get by with about 800 cells. So it's almost an order of magnitude less uh, cells to uh, make that same voltage and same uh, kilowatt-hour capacity. So the the lithium-ion, then, is is one of the potential next steps for for mass production of electric vehicles and taking it sort of to the next level, then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've gone from lead acid, and then we went to nickel metal hydride. The problem with nickel metal hydride is... um, Chevron has kind of controlled the patents at this point, and they've stopped development of the large format batteries, so you can't even get the batteries like are in my RAV4 right now. Hmm. So you did you did your own custom RAV4 conversion? Is that is that? Uh... No, that was done by Toyota. Oh, okay. They did, wait. They did a conversion of it, or is this a? Stand? Yeah, no. It's a ground up electric car that they built first in '95 with lead acid batteries, and they tested it in Japan, and they they. They did some a lot of improvements in 97, and I think they started offering it to the U.S. market just as a lease vehicle uh-huh. in 99. And, um, like, Southern California Edison has uh, about 400 RAV4s in their fleet. Wow. And so, but then they, they stopped it at some point? They, everything stopped in 2003 when, um, you know, GM sued the state of California and the suit was because uh, they said the state of California didn't have the ability to uh, control vehicle um, mileage or something. Okay. That it should be left to the federal government. And then as soon as Bush got in there, he also joined the suit with the federal government. That was a little bit too much for the uh, the Air Resources Board to handle, as you'll see in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> they. Yeah basically backed all the way off of the zero emission program and now it's uh, we've got about I think it last is about 30 hydrogen million dollar hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is all we've got out of that whole program when uh, you know we could have millions of literally millions of electric vehicles on the road right now if they had, you know, held the line on that. That's a, it's a sad tale. Well, uh, I mean, luckily, I guess, with all this, the, the renewed interest and, in, you know, even the companies that were not doing good things on their own or being sort of shamed back in or, you know, pressured by consumer demand to get back in the market. So I guess that's the good news. Yeah. But let's finish up with the batteries. So we went um, from lead acid to nickel metal hydride. Nickel metal hydride is, is not available um, except in small format, which are still being used for the the hybrid vehicles and may be used on the Toyota's new hybrid, which will be a plug-in hybrid, but it only gets seven-mile range. But it will give you a really high-mileage vehicle. You'll probably get uh, 
100, almost 100 miles per gallon in the new hybrid Prius that's a plug-in. Um, so from, because we can't get the large format nickel metal hydride, uh, the, there's a lot of development work on lithium. Uh, nickel metal hydride had twice the energy density of lead acid, and lithium will have twice the energy density of nickel metal hydride. So it's fourfold uh, better in every way over lead acid. I, without knowing, I didn't know all the specifics, but it's funny because it, what I'm really watching is sort of the the, te- the tech industry with regards to laptops about three or four years later or even more, where we watched the same evolution from, you know, to two nickel, nickel metal hydride because, you know, there was a nickel cadmium with the memory effect issue and then nickel metal hydride and then lithium ion and then uh, there's a newer type two that's now being used. And I, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, but it's almost like this is the electric car industry is kind of shadowing several years, you know, it delayed what's been going on in the notebook market. Well, it's not the electric car industry. They're not doing anything that they're not forced to do. And I don't want to be cynical, but you saw the development of the battery in, you know, laptops and cell phones and everything else, and you saw how it got miniature really fast. And uh, that same thing could have happened to car batteries, uh, batteries for electric vehicles a long time ago, but there just has not been any government or industry funding for that development work. Mm. So what would you say as the recommendation to the interested consumer is interested in clean transportation and they're the, let's just say that they don't have a good public transportation available to them, which unfortunately is the case in many too many parts of the country, and they, they, they need to have a vehicle uh, right now, what would you be your sort of, I don't know, top three, top five choices of things to look at? Well, I would, you know, my top choice would be to give uh, Thunder Ranch a call because I think that they are uh, offer an excellent vehicle for conversion, and if they know that there's interest out there, then they will start moving in that direction. Uh, other choices would be to find a lightweight pickup, a Rain, Ford Ranger or a S10 pickup, and uh, those have the carrying capacity to carry the battery weight no matter what kind of battery you decide on. If you have uh, more resources, I would would look at the lith- new lithium lo- large format batteries, um, and I'm, I'm importing those right now, so if you, I don't know if you want to uh, give out my contact information. Uh, but sure, please, no, please feel free. Well, you can call me at uh, 707-937-3385 or email me at steve at renewables.com. Okay. And I've got, um, you know, I'm trying to put a container load of, of batteries together because that's what we need to do to get the volume up, to get the price down. And I think that's the only way to do it, really. Right. Now, for somebody who's maybe in another part of the country outside of uh, California, um, you know, what would you recommend for them to do if they're, I mean, because obviously people like myself who are auto-mechanically challenged, <laughs> I'm good with computers, not so much with cars. Yeah, there's a site, there's a number of sites I'd recommend. Plug in America. I don't know if you've heard of that one. That I, I have site. not heard of that one, no. Um, you can just Google Plug in America, and it's got a, a great rundown of all the uh, converters, all the other websites that you want to look at for electric vehicles. And there's the Electric Vehicle Auto Association, or the Electric Auto Association, EAA. Um, they also have a, a site that's very good. 
So those those would be the ones that I'd recommend. And Great. They have links to a bunch of other resources. Good. Too. We'll we'll get links up to those uh, to those up on our site as well um, to support the uh, the podcast and and uh, give people an opportunity on the website to see those. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so any, any anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, we've kind of talked about I think uh, everything with regards to electric vehicles that I had. But did you have anything else you wanted to share with our listening audience today? Well, yeah. You know, the first thing about transportation is to try and figure out places you can walk. <laughs> right. You know, it, it, we've got to redesign our cities for people, not cars. Yeah. And so I, I would always start there. You know, I, I love, I too love electric cars, but but uh, I'm always trying, I've done a lot of city planning work and stuff, and and I always think that, you know, it's it's crazy to keep doing what we're doing because we, we, we need to exercise our bodies. We need, we should be getting on bicycles and walking instead of uh, always getting in a car to do everything. So Absolutely. Absolutely true. Yeah, no, it's very true. And it's a change of thinking, too. You know, it's like, you know, if you've got, you know, the grocery store is, you know, a mile and a half from your house or whatever it is, or three miles, you know, it's a great opportunity to, get, you know, give yourself a little more time instead of giving yourself 15 minutes, you know, give yourself the time to get on the bike. And I, it's been helpful for me. And my, my son's five and he just learned to bike ride. And so, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to remember. It's like, this is, that's the, the whole world is in that moment of just going you know, to go for a, a leisurely bike ride with my son, but also, you know, go down to, to get lunch or go to the, the store for dinner or something like that. Yeah. And the other thing I'd say is that you've got to look at um, where the energy is coming from. And, you know, our transportation system is almost 100% relying on oil right now. And that's not a very uh, sustainable resource. And it, anytime you've got combustion, you've got huge inefficiencies. 62% of the energy immediately is wasted is heat, the heat of combustion, and then you lose another 15% in transmission losses, and then another 8% in drivetrain losses. So by the time you get down to that, you're you're at you know 10 to 15% for an internal combustion engine, and then you add to that um, idling in traffic, which is becoming more and more the case, particularly in congested areas like you know the Bay Area and, and LA. Uh, people are idling more than uh, they're driving sometimes in their commute. And when you're idling, you have 0% efficiency. Yeah, you're, no. you're just creating pollution without doing any work. Yeah, yeah. In contrast, an electric wheel motor is 95% efficient. And it can do regen, which takes you over 100% efficient over uh, what is would be available from uh, a liquid fuel. Well, great information. Really, really enjoyed having you on. We'll de- you'll definitely have to come back, and we'll talk more, and we'll certainly uh, you know, talk more on uh, passive solar design and just uh, right. you know, all those other fun things. So Yeah, we'll focus more on, a, on the next call. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I like the meander, so yeah, thanks for keeping, <laughs> okay. me, keeping me honest. So my guest today has been Steve Heckeroth, uh, who is uh, with uh, Renewables.com is the website. I'll give that out so people know where to find you online. And uh, thank you again, Steve, for being on the program. We'll definitely have you back again. Okay, be safe and be clean. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. 
Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.